0: Good morning and welcome to the Monday Main Point. It is April 19th, 2021 and I'm here at Rosa Sharon Baptist Church. I'm Jonathan Hendrickson, by the way. I'm the associate pastor here and I'm joined with all the other pastors here at Rosa Sharon. I'm gonna go backwards this time. We're here with our senior pastor, Jeff McCarthy, our children's pastor, uh, Blake Flincham, and our youth pastor, uh, Jeremiah Custer. If you're watching it, on the webcam, we're waving at you. <laughs> so hopefully you're not doing that. And if you are, then this is not a podcast now. So, all right. So anyway, we're glad that you're uh, joining us this week. Um, as we always do here on Monday Main Point, um, we do what what the four of us pastors do anyway, which is sit around the table and talk about what we uh, the message that was preached on Sunday Um and and no and no, we didn't just start doing this because it's a podcast. We do this anyway, and so we just thought we would invite you into the room so that you could hear our discussion over the message. And so that's kind of what we're doing today. Uh, the message this past Sunday, Jeff uh, preached that message. Let me pull up my notes on that. I Lost my cursor here for a second. There it is. All right, all right. So the message this past Sunday was uh, go tell others what Christ has done for you. And uh, Jeff, you took your text from Mark chapter 5, primarily 18 through 20. And for those of you who um, uh, maybe uh, weren't there, don't know, Mark chapter 5 largely deals from chapter or verse 1 all the way to verse 20, deals with uh, the story of Jesus going over to the uh, other side of the Sea of Galilee, to the area of the Gerasenes, Where he finds this demoniac, who uh, um, you know, he's this demon-possessed man who's who's very um, uh, very unstable and uh, just just miserable, and ultimately Jesus frees him from that and rescues him. And the the text and the message was not focused on the miracle. but focused on what happens right after the miracle. And so that's kind of, let me just share with you these three verses, um, 18, 19, and 20. And then we'll talk a little bit at length at, at um, the application of this, because I, I think there is some application we can talk about. So as he was getting into the boat, he being Jesus, by the way, as he as Jesus getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed kept begging him to be with him kept begging Jesus to be with Jesus. But Jesus would not let him. Instead, Jesus told him, Go back home to your own people and report to them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So he, the the demoniac, went out and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And they... We're all amazed. Now, um, this is after those same they, by the way, has basically run Jesus off. I mean, they, they Jesus does this miracle, and it the, the people of the area come and see this guy who they know is the local crazy guy. Um, they see him sitting in his right mind, peaceful and sober, and they're like, what did you do? And they also hear about how these pigs all ran off the side of the cliff, 2,000 yeah. pigs ran off the side of the cliff. And they're like, we're not comfortable with you being here. You need to get out. And so they, they beg him to leave. And uh, uh, that's important because of what you show us later on, Jeff, in Mark 6. And we'll get to that in, in, in a minute. Because the, the epilogue to the story, I think, is really kind of where, where, uh, where, we, where, we, uh, where we see the, the maybe in some ways the real miracle. Um, uh, not, that the, not that healing the demoniac wasn't a miracle. So let's look at these verses. Um, the, the first point you had, Jeff, was that we, we need to go and tell other people that are in our sphere of influence, because that's what, that's what this guy uh, is told to do by Jesus. Uh, before we get there, though, can we just talk about this for a second? So this guy has been healed. He has this incredible miracle, Jeremiah, happen to him. And now the man who has done this work in his life, he probably recognizes him as, as Lord, let's say. He recognizes him as Lord. Because Jesus even says, go tell him what the Lord has yes. done for you. Right. So this man recognizes Jesus as Lord. And now he's begging, begging to stay with Jesus. And the Bible says Jesus wouldn't let it. Jesus would not let him. What am I supposed to make of that? right? Like what Jesus why why, why this isn't that kind of cruel? I mean don't don't if Jesus does this incredible work in my life and I, I want to be with Jesus, why why
1: won't he let me be with him? right? Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah I think I, I see a little bit as a foreshadow uh, even for us to make it practical to us. Right, And so later Jesus would tell his disciples, look, you can't stay with me. In fact, greater things than I have done, you were going to do. And so mm. Jesus actually leaves his disciples on earth to kind of complete or con- continue the task at hand. And so in this particular story, uh, it's clear that the people don't want Jesus there. And I think the main reason for that is there was this notion that if you could... If you could command demons, then you must be one of them. Right. We see that yeah. happen a lot with
0: Pharisees. Yeah. They, uh, they often accuse Jesus of being a demon uh, yeah. because he's able to cast right. out demons. Like uh, that
1: text where he's like, this man can can um, command Beelzebub, and they, they kind of equate him to a demon. And mm-hmm. There's this other text that kind of show us that people thought that if, if this man was able to talk to demons, he must be one of them. He must be like a leader. Or a greater demon. Yeah, right. a leader but, of them.
0: And hold that thought. I want to ask you something, Jeff. From your research, are the people that we're talking about here, though, on, on on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, are these Jewish people? Or are they a mix of Jewish and Gentile? Uh, are they, yeah, are they Greeks? The, are they? W- would they have been like worshippers of one true God? Or are these, are these people who are probably polytheistic? Uh, it was a mixture of all, yeah. So, uh, okay. <laughs> primarily, the there were
2: Jewish people there because Herod had two cities. There were synagogues because uh, if you remember from all of our past uh, modern prophets and all, we knew that people were relocated there from other areas, and so, so the Greeks then created this Decapolis, like these ten cities, and they were supposed to be the most modern, and they had temples, and they could— they could have their own gods. They could do whatever they wanted to do, and so, um, uh, so it was primarily a Gentile region. Even though it, we know, you know, from the story of the Gospels that the when, when the people were scattered, they went to Damascus, and that's where Paul was headed. So they were Jewish people there too, right? Because Damascus, uh, is uh, and then there the were Hellenized the well. Jewish people there as well who mm-hmm. had bought into the whole lifestyle, and they did the. It's kind of like cultural Christianity. I'll do my church thing, but I'm also going to go over here and hang out with the pig farmers, and we're going to have a you know pig roast and stuff like that. Right. So, um, so it was a mixture of all of that, and it was very um, like like some people think that these pig farmers or the guys watching over the pigs, the pigs were actually instead of like sheep get 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 uh, you know when Jesus was born, the shepherds right uh, are told. That the pigs were actually pigs that were reserved to be slaughtered. For well, they're their unclean own. animals.
0: Jewish people don't eat
2: them. So. No, but, but for the Gentiles, they were there for their sacrifices and for their slaughter and for their feast. That's what. Yeah, that's what I'm getting. So, at. Uh, so yeah, yeah. So, so it could have been that he went right into the heart of the the false worship to to reveal, I guess, himself who he really is. Because you know, the story prior to that story is the the boat ride over. When right. Jesus comes a storm because yeah. he has. I got power over the nat- natural world. Now I've got power over supernatural. supernatural so maybe I mean. that was more for the for the disciples to see, but also he's in an enemy territory too.
0: Right. All right. right so to go back, I'd go back and pick up where you left off there, Jeremiah, because I want to get back to this. Why won't Jesus let him stay with him kind of thing? So
1: yeah. So just like a piggyback off what Jeff just said, they they realize he has power over the supernatural. And they're scared, right? Mm-hmm. At least that's how I would kind of interpret what's going on. So Jesus recognizes, look, I'm not really welcome here. My ministry is not going to be effective, uh, at least at this time. And we'll talk about that later. Uh, and so Jesus is like, hey, but you can stay because they'll listen to you. They saw you before. They'll see you after. They, they're they going to want to hear your story in this region. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it's, like I said, I think it's kind of a foreshadow of what's going to happen with the church and with his disciples later. Like, you're going to be more effective here. I want you to stay here, tell your story, tell about what the Lord has done for you. And then, uh, of course, Jesus is going to come back later. And-
0: so the desire to be with Jesus is not a bad desire, right? But it's just that this time Jesus has, what, a different purpose for him, Blake?
3: Yeah, I, I would say so. And because I think, yeah, that guy wanted to be with Jesus. I mean, put your... Put your Try to put yourself in the shoes of, you know, that guy. You had probably 6,000 demons in you. You've been in cave. You know, you want to talk about outcasts, you know. You, like, this guy was the definition of an outcast. Mm-hmm. And probably didn't have a lot of friends, or else he wouldn't have been alone in a cave cutting himself. And, but he sees this guy coming and having compassion on him. And I'm just saying, if I was in that guy's shoes, like, I wouldn't ever want to leave that guy's sight. Well, that's,
0: and that's my point. Yeah. I, like, I, I think, you know, I guess, I guess in some ways I'm thinking about it in terms of Christianity, right? We want to, We want to be with Jesus. We're commended to be with Jesus. And actually for the Christian, we're able to be with Jesus because of his Holy Spirit right. in us, right? But in this case, this guy wants to be with Jesus and Jesus says, no, you can't be with me.
2: Yeah, and I was kind of in my mind when I was thinking about it. I thought about uh, when I first got called into ministry, you know, and my whole my whole plan, Jeff's plan, was that I was going to go to Southeastern Seminary. I would go back to Savannah during the summer, be the summer youth worker, and then when I graduated, I'd come back to the home church, and I would be the youth pastor mm-hmm. for the home church. And so it didn't work out, and I was upset. I was ticked off, and I'm like, you know. I could, I'd left everything to follow you, and and you're not going to let me go back to where I'm supposed to be, and all this stuff. And so a guy told me, he's like, listen, um, when when you decided to follow Jesus, were you serious? I'm like, yes. He said, okay, well you go wherever Jesus tells you to go. Mm-hmm. Your plans didn't these were your plans, but you got to follow Him. And so it, that gave me peace. And then what happened was. Um, the very I started praying about it. I was okay, Lord, you shut this door. And, and getting, the very next week, I got a guy in the hall told me his aunt was looking for a um, youth pastor. Their church was over the summer, and it was in Ranlow, North Carolina, which is right next to Gastonia in Bessemer City, mm-hmm. where my family lives. And so I said, I'll check it out. And so I then I got to go home, stay with my mom and dad, do youth ministry in my hometown. So I kind of related that to a lot of the the story here in my own life personally that it was something i did i wanted to go do god's work somewhere in my thinking but he provided an opportunity for me to actually go home talk to my friends family probably more effective than i would have been not
0: following him. And, and, and you know to some degree fellas I, I think about it this way too i guess is that um it's it's good it, this is a good lesson for all of us to learn the lesson that that i think jesus may be teaching him here is that God is not relegated to one's place or, or you know if, if Jesus is God right if Jesus really is God incarnate here and he is Lord and he is God to this guy you don't have to be with me in this one space to be right. with me right because one of the things we see over and over again in the Old Testament is God trying to teach people look I'm bigger than just the temple right I'm 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 bigger than just this one's place and so Maybe maybe to your point, Jeremiah, this is foreshadowing of the fact that Jesus is Jesus is not relegated to just this one spot in space-time. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And the, the thing I wanted people to understand too
2: was that in our culture of church, sometimes in America, we think we hire the pastors to do the storytelling. Mm-hmm. And I wanted them to see that in in a way, maybe he wanted to go be with Jesus, like go to seminary, be a disciple, follower, full time. But really, Jesus wanted him to be a proclaimer and a person that lived their life and told their story. Yeah. Like so the regular everyday person is supposed to. That's what he's called all of us to do. So this was a call in this guy's life to go tell your story. Yeah.
0: To the people around you. Yeah. And so let's talk about that. And and look, I, there are times, obviously, where it's 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 okay to be at the feet of Jesus. I mean. Jesus will convene Mary for that later, right? You know, uh, Martha comes and says, oh, you, you know, I'm doing all this stuff, and then she's just in there, and he's like, well, she's doing what's right. You know, she's yeah. at my feet. So um, there are times where it's okay to be at his feet it's in, in that sense. But let's talk about this procl- this idea of proclamation, yeah. um, and, and especially the, the sort of twofold thing here that he says go back home to your own people and report to them how much the Lord has done for you. So he tells him first to go home. Mm -hmm. Now, I guess we can understand that this guy's not been home in a while probably, right? Has this guy been to his family in a while? I mean, he's been hanging out in caves cutting himself. He's been demon possessed for... How long has he been demon possessed? Do we know that?
2: Uh, I don't think there's really a timeline in there,
0: but apparently it's been a while. So Long enough to where he's developed a reputation with the community anyway. Right. Yeah. So so I don't even know if he's been home.
2: He's Uh, been there long enough for 2,000 demons to possess him. Yeah. So if they did it probably one at a time, then he's been there a while. Right,
1: you both said two thousand, and and then Blake said six thousand, or right.
2: six. Th- I mean, t- there's two thousand pigs, but like a legion is six thousand. So oh, yeah. That yeah. that's, that's why you said legion. legion. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. legion means just, six thousand.
1: I need John oh. to clear that. Yeah, yeah. clarify that. So <laughs> <laughs> cut some discrepancies yeah. in numbers here. Jeremiah's like the math doesn't add up. Well, yeah. So basically the. He calls himself Legion. We know that a Roman legion is six thousand people. Right. So some inferred that there was around six thousand demons from that. But then we also know that there was two thousand pigs. Right. So then some were like, "Well, there was at least two thousand demons. Yeah. Uh, maybe each pig had it, three demons. It could have also just yeah. been a way for him to say there's a large. number. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there could have been just like a multitude. Yeah, like a multitude. Yeah. And it may not
0: even been two thousand. Yeah. yeah. Maybe maybe just you know maybe there were there were twenty. And, you know, 20 pigs go run, and then all the other pigs follow them. You know, yeah. that kind of thing. I don't know. We don't know. We, we
1: just know. Well, but the Bible says. It's there were two many. <laughs> 2,000 pigs. It just says 2,000 pigs. It doesn't it say anything about 2,000
2: demons. No, no, no. But I'm saying 2,000 pigs got yeah one off the cliff. So.
0: Right. But anyway, so. All right. The, the idea is, I want to go back to home and family, yes, right? the closest So, to. it's probably been a while since this guy's been with his family. Like, they probably have disowned him.
3: I can't imagine his family would want him there, right? Yeah. I mean, like this guy's yeah. this
0: guy's been, uh, you know, he's hanging out in the tombs and stuff. It doesn't sound like, you know, he goes up to <laughs> it's like his day job. He goes up to the tombs in the day, cuts himself, and he's like, "Oh, time to go home," you know. He goes home. <laughs> I think he probably was living there. Yeah, because you imagine it said day and nights, he was there all the time. Like if his parents are still alive, or his or his brothers and sisters are still alive, man, what? uh what an amazing thing, right? This guy shows yeah. up at your doorstep that you thought was long gone, yeah. And he shows up so in his right mind, and has this incredible story to tell. Yeah,
3: about. and that's that's a huge testimony in and of itself. And that I would probably submit that that's such a big testimony, just such a drastic change that he he didn't really need to be with Jesus physically in order to go out and tell his story, right? Because he could go tell. 30, you know, how many ever, how many ever people there was there in that town, and they would realize, okay, they would at least have to admit that something's different. He goes and gets trained by Jesus, it's a good possibility not as many people know his story during that amount of time. And so I think it's important that he goes and he just, he just says what happened. Right. No overcomplicate, he just says what happened. So, that that also makes me think
0: of something else too, and yeah. Jeff. You kind of hinted at this, and I think it's important. Um, and it, it, it's that this look. This guy obviously has this incredible story, right? I was out of my mind, possessed with demons, was cutting myself, chains couldn't hold me, nobody could tie me up, and I was I was wild. I was the definition of wild. Mm-hmm. And then I show up completely peaceful and in my right mind at my parents' door, and like, what happened to you? And like. This man healed me. He took all the demons out of me. And they're like, wow. So this guy, you're right. This guy has a powerful story, right? Mm -hmm. Is it better to have a powerful story? Like, is it better to have been... I I got into a debate with some people once in a a class in... It wasn't in seminary. It was in my master's level stuff that I did um, before I went to seminary. We were talking about ministry and the question was is it better to have a preacher or a pastor who has been where the people have been right live this wild life you know i mean your story jeff you, you were you're were a frat boy yeah. and you know um you don't often go into all the details of what that entailed i, I probably don't need to just watch but, animal house right right so um whereas uh me I, they didn't even have fraternities where I went to college, and 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 I I didn't I I came to Christ when I was like eight, and so is it better to have a pastor who has been where the people have been, and and you know. Has these these incredible stories of drug addiction, or uh, you know, I, I was addicted to pornography, or or I I I was a member of a satanic cult, you know, I but but Jesus rescued me from that, and I'm now clean and sober, like a Paul story, right? Like I I was this guy, and now I'm not that guy anymore. Is it better to have a pastor or a proclaimer who has that story, or is it better to have someone who's a pastor who It's like, well, I got saved when I was eight, and I've just been living for Jesus, right? Which is better? Which is the better pastor here?
3: I think, I don't know that that's the right question, to be honest. Okay. Like, praise God, both of them are saved, you know? Okay, okay. And that's where I'm coming. Now, is it awesome that you see kind of like, you know, how a frat boy turns into a pastor? Epic. At least me and kids' ministry, my goal is to help develop like lifelong devoted disciples. And I think it's awesome if people get saved at eight and live their whole life for Jesus. Like, praise God, you know? And so I think I think maybe instead of looking at, oh, my gosh, that's awesome, look at the person who has made both scenarios awesome. And I think that's where we find the awesomeness yeah. in both of them.
0: What do you think, Jay?
1: Yeah, I think uh, one might be a little more dangerous. So, like the the dramatic person, the danger there is that the emphasis tended to be on how bad they were, mm-hmm. uh, how how lost they were, um, or how sinful they were. Um, and so, a lot of times, their their focus when they tell that story is. Uh, focused on this sin, I was this bad, because they want to show this this awesome transformation, right? For right. Me, I was bad, I met Jesus, now I'm good. Well, my my thought there is the danger is that's not really the gospel. The gospel is I was dead, I met Jesus, now I'm alive. That's a crazier transformation than saying I was a bad person, I was super sinful, and now I'm super good, mm-hmm. Right. I was dead in my trespasses and sins. And everyone can say that because it's true. Right. I think for those who kind of came to Christ earlier, it might be more difficult to realize you were dead, to realize that you were a sinner because you. It's harder to recognize. Like I said, I I said a bad name to my friend as opposed to I got drunk and did. A, B, C, D, right? Like We look at those and we're like, oh, this person's worse off, but really they're both dead in their trespasses and sins. They meet Jesus, they become alive. So I'm not saying one's better or not, Uh, it's just the emphasis doesn't necessarily need to be on who's the worse off Right, but the
0: truth is, and let's be honest at the table here, the truth is that the culture is more drawn to the the dynamic guy.
2: Well, if you remember in my sermon, I've made a real huge point about that, that And that's the reason I brought Paul up, too, is, like, you have these dramatic testimonies, which is what we try to make everybody... And I heard them growing up. Mm -hmm. You know, okay, here's your story. It really didn't have an impact. But it was when I met a guy that was saved as a young guy, and he lived his life, that I saw, saw, like, dude, there was so much missing in my life because... I should have been that person. Mm-hmm. I should have given my life to Christ earlier. I should have lived for him earlier. I should have done all that. Right. And so the problem is if we emphasize the dramatic and we put those people on the stage and they do all the speaking, and they, then the person that's the everyday normal person that's in a church, that grows up in a children's ministry, that gets saved earlier, that doesn't have all that dramatic testimony thinks, well, my testimony is not impactful or powerful at all. Mm-hmm. But it was that testimony was actually what spoke to me. It wasn't like um, Elvis Presley's brother getting saved would speak to me. Right. It was just somebody that was living the, the, the life that, that was genuine in their faith. And that's the key. Don't tell your story if you're not genuine in your faith. Mm-hmm. Because you're just going gonna to turn people away from the gospel. Right. And people don't want somebody... Like I've got people talk to me all the time. They all had their little... Um, things we learned to do the gospel and all and I know that it wasn't genuine and real it's just it's like me as a pastor people expect me then I'm going to ask them about their salvation that's why I try not to tell people I'm a pastor right. so if it comes out gradually they may find out later on I was a pastor mm-hmm. because you put your guard up right. so anyway so I hope everybody got from the message this guy's testimony is great and it's wonderful and God used it in a powerful way because it did show that transformation that took place in his life. Mm-hmm. But but you don't feel bad if you don't have like, a, my life was a total wreck and Jesus came and saved it uh, because you're relating to, you know, just, put, just whatever sin or whatever lifestyle you want to put out there. No, you know. And I think uh,
3: it's good that you can... Maybe praise God and thank Him for protecting you from some of that.
2: Because you know we want our people to tell their story, right? And if most people's story yeah, is not my this dramatic like, thing, right? My then they're not going to tell boring. it. that like, well, Yeah, and it's, you know we do we do our deacons' things, and they, mm-hmm. the guys share their story. We go, no, that was wonderful. And they're like, but that's nothing. It's no, really it's great. <laughs> you know, it's a good. Right. St- that's what that's what people want to
3: hear. They want to hear how God touched your life and changed your life. Not all the details around it, and I think right. that brings us back to the point. I think a lot of times we feel like, well, our message isn't powerful. It's you know, it's just kind of your everyday stuff. Well, like God wants to use everyday people with everyday stories. You know, mm-hmm. that's exactly you right. know, who He used in Scripture. Well, I think
0: I, I think the key to it is really in what something that Jeremiah said, which is that everybody's story is dramatic when you consider that you went from death to life. That's right. That's the, that's, that's the key, right? The, the, the big thing is that if, if, if everybody realizes that I once was dead, but now I'm alive, I once had no hope and was going to, you know, and had no way of uh, obtaining eternal life and eternal joy and peace and happiness, but now I have all that, that's the drama, right Yeah that's the drama. And I think you're right, Jeremiah. I think sometimes um while we get as a culture and and look, I mean which <laughs> which one's gonna sell more books? yeah, right? yeah well, I mean, obviously the one that's that's talking about how he once was a Satanist and now he's not, you know, yeah. to the point I think some people got accused of making stuff up like that or the least novel yes. type
1: stuff yes right right
0: some people embellish their stories to make them even more dramatic
2: when they don't have to
0: be yeah right. yeah because it sells books because it because it makes you famous because yeah. it because people well, then your emphasis, people have an itching yeah. ear for that right then emphasis then your emphasis
2: if you're telling your story that way if you're the central focus of your story then <laughs> then then it's about you. But the story is the it points to Jesus, and how Jesus changed me, how Jesus did for me, and now what Jesus is doing for me now. And so now the story is like, yeah, my story is just kind of like the backdrop to His story, right? You know, getting around to it. Yeah.
0: You know, I think what's I think something that we miss here, um, and this kind of gets into the whole idea of the community around us as well, because mm-hmm. um, you know, your your second part was not just the, those closest to you at home but also those in the community around you. Yeah,
2: and I like that translation when it says your people.
0: Yeah. Like, who are our people? Who people. are the people of our decopolis? Right, and so I, I want to take that in a, in, in a direction that maybe, uh, I, and I, maybe you mentioned this and I, I didn't hear it, but one of the things that I'm finding um, in this world that's dominated, in this culture, especially in America, is dominated by social media, okay? Social media, for many younger people, that is their people. Mm-hmm. Their people are the people they're connected with yeah. on Instagram. Their people are their people who they are connected with on Facebook, well, and yeah. you know, on Twitter, those kinds of things. Uh, <clears throat> and what I think is interesting about all those sort of avenues is what it shows us is that people are interested in other people's stories. Mm-hmm. We live in a very much a story-driven culture. That's why social media works. Social media works because, sure, okay, sometimes it's a place for people to just post, you know, um, divisive statements and things right. like that. We understand that.
2: But you're mainly connected to try to catch up on people. That's What's been happening it. in their life, you know, who are they married to, or right. got kids, what they're doing. It's the story.
0: And so, so, we have this incredible story that we've been given. And now we have an incredible venue to tell that story. And I just think it's kind of a neat thing. I think our culture right now, in some ways, is more primed for the gospel than it has been in a long time because of its, 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 uh, its propensity towards story. And the other thing that's kind of interesting about this, I think, is that Jeremiah, I, I'm you know you know me, I love apologetics. I love I love uh, studying reasons for for faith and things like that. And some people who are like me who are apologists and, and get into that sort of thing are also big time debaters, right? They really just they love to argue with people. and people can and people can take, those facts that I bring, things that like we just did with the resurrection, and they can they can say, oh yeah, I, I don't believe that. I don't believe that, and and here's why I don't believe that, right? But if it's your story, right? Yeah. They might not believe parts of it, but the thing about the story is because it's your story, they can't say, you you know, well, you know, that didn't happen to you, or yeah. you know, they, maybe maybe they don't believe the 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 individual components, but. Your actual narrative is your narrative. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it's really hard to refute uh, like experience, right? Um, sometimes you don't want to base everything on experience because experiences can fail you, right? Right. But but it's really hard to refute like like details that you would give, and that's why we said it a second ago. But you really want to be careful to be accurate. And and there's a there's sometimes I guess not for me, necessarily, but I think for some there's a temptation to be more dramatic because that's what people want, or to embellish the story. Uh, sometimes, like a Muslim, like a Muslim comes to faith or whatever, and they say they lost everything when really their their parents weren't really muslim if that makes sense they were kind of muslim in name and they didn't really disown them like the stories tell so just just be accurate with your story like maybe even give verifiable evidence in your story If, if you're talking to someone that that is debating you or that you know really cares about facts evidence those types of things maybe just be more specific, uh, share some things that are are verifiable, provable, um, but really just be honest, honest with yourself, and honest with your story.
0: Right, and in living a life, and I've heard you say this before, Jeff. Living a life of that, that's been influenced by this story out, and is a story in and of itself. Like you, you've said before, the people you you hung out with prior to your conversion, right, mm-hmm. and then the people, and then. You went directly to them and said, okay, well, I just got to let you guys know I'm a Christian. They're like, no, it didn't. You're, right, you're, right. You're, you're you're lying. No, no, that actually happened. And it's hard for them to say, no, it didn't. Right. I mean, you, they can't exactly say, you're lying. And you're like, well, I mean, you can think I'm lying, but I mean, my life is different now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I yeah, mean, one of my fraternity said, yeah, it's going to wear off in about a year.
2: And I'm like, okay. So like, I'm like, uh, my goal is to be a Christian for a year. <laughs> and if, 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 if he's true then I won't be a Christian but if, if I can really actually really be a Christian if what happened to me was real my life's changed then that was my goal so I could prove him wrong the next year when I saw him <laughs> so so I've been proving him wrong for about 30 something years Now it <laughs> goes back to you know our, our thing about the resurrection when they they the people the historic people said that these guys experience something Right. And there's no denying the fact that something happened to them, even though they may deny the resurrection, but they know something happened. They had some kind of thing that they felt was genuine and it was real and it changed their life. And that's kind of really, we're still living that that story. And that's what happened to this guy. And people couldn't deny the fact that he was changed. Right. And apparently he was somebody that was well-known uh, because he had influence the different places he went and his story his is before Christ story was well known in the area right. right and so now he's walking around and going yeah that's the dude right yeah, that's the dude right and so whether people believed it or not accepted it or not or like oh yeah right that magician came over a lot of people did did have genuine uh, uh did did feel like something really happened to him and if I, if i get a chance to meet this guy named Jesus i want to meet this guy named Right, because and we, that's what we want that our goal is to get people to say I want to meet Jesus too right
0: and, what, and, and, and to, to that point we know that he does go out into the Decapolis which was a yes. large area I mean mm-hmm. 10 cities right uh, 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 um, now then, whether he went to all Damascus all the way down or right. just the, the two Gadara and Gennesaret where he was from but it just says we so just he went up and yeah. began to proclaim in the Decapolis yes. so we know that he was in the Decapolis yes. But what's really cool is, and it says how much Jesus has done for him, and they were all amazed. And we know that they were, they were amazed because the attitude towards Jesus when he comes back across again in the next chapter is now everybody's trying to find Jesus, and they're bringing to him all their sick and all those because they know that this guy is the genuine artifact. Yes. And the reason why they know he's the genuine artifact is because this dude did what Jesus told do, yes. right? And I think that's, that's, that's important. So let's spend the last uh, few minutes here, fellas, talking about something that you said to to me right before we started uh, recording this morning, Jeremiah. And that's, we talked a lot this, about story, right? And story can mean a lot of different things to people. And like I said, social media is full of story. Story is sometimes, uh, you know, Story can be uh, a, a, a short anecdote that tells you know about about what what happened to me on the way to work. You know I stopped you know I stopped off at a restaurant. What happened to me in the drive-through? That's a story. Um, we can talk about our stories of uh, you know um, stories I make up, like fictional stories, you know, or folk tales. We we can even tell stories about uh, what we what we saw, like. You know what we witnessed with our own eyes, those kinds of things. but when we're talking about telling our story, our narrative, um what does that mean? Like what does it mean for me to tell my story, Jeremiah? I mean, like what is that?
1: Yeah, Jeff alluded to it earlier, um because we the emphasis on my story, right? but for Christians, it's really it's really like it should be centered on jesus um because i could i could tell a story like you were just saying and my story be i i I was uh addicted to drugs for this many years i lost my family i lost my son uh this person died around me then i went to rehab and i got clean i got a job and i got all these things back and we're like, man, that's a really good story. That's a powerful story. But it, it has nothing to do with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and that happens. And that's a good thing. I would say that's a good thing. But they've basically been able to help themselves and get self-help and rehab save them. Our our story, the Christian story, should be centered on what has Jesus done for us.
0: Well, and it gets even more complicated if, say, for instance, that person went to a uh, like uh, an alcohol, uh, an AA meeting that's done by a church, yeah. right? A church ministry, and so they talk that. Their the part of their story is, I went to church and I and and they talked about Jesus and it helped me get myself back in line. And I realized that I need to be a better person uh, than what I was being before. And and Jesus helped me be a better person. Okay, yeah. so yeah, we're not talking about just behavioral change. Yeah, right. But I think I think what happens, I, I, and, I, and you see this a lot in in
1: in um, or like another another example. Uh, I was I was living a path I, I shouldn't be living on. I married a girl who was a Christian. Yeah, uh, and she helped me get my life back on track. Right? You hear that story and you're like, Well, what did Jesus do for you? It sounds like this this woman who you married, who was a great woman, right? Uh, but it sounds like she saved you, right? Right. Rather than what did Jesus do for you? So similar, right? Or my
0: grandma, my grandmother, you know, yeah. my, my 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 grand my grandfather, and my grandmother, you know, they they took me to church all the time, and and you know, and they, they raised me the right way, and 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 taught me, you know, taught me to pray before my meals and stuff, and you know, and so I just I became a Christian. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like well, okay. That's, or another
1: one. I'm, I'm, uh, I am I'm was living the way I wanted to uh, and then one day I got in a car wreck and I started thinking about like what if I die and then I got my life back on track and it's like did the car wreck save you? Right. Did Jesus like where's the where's the moment? Yeah there has to be there a time It may not be when, a moment yeah. but where's how how how? When did you make Jesus your Lord? And yeah, and that's what I focused yeah, on yesterday. To
2: be a Christian, you have to have a Christ encounter. You have to have a personal encounter with Jesus, you yourself, where you
0: where you then accept uh him as your Lord and Savior. When you say personal name. encounter, we're not talking about some kind of supernatural thing where Jesus appears to you in some sort of no, vision no, I'm talking or about anything like, like
2: that. Like I hear the gospel, right? right. Like. I heard the Gospel. I saw the Gospel lived out with my friend Larry, even though I had rejected it and was living my life my way, when I came to the point where it was a death that made me think about spiritual things, then I had my personal account where I accepted Christ. I right. went to a pastor, confirmed everything I did and said, and my and I knew I was changed because my whole life changed, right. so so I wouldn't just say, Yeah, my uncle died.' And after that, I started thinking about it, and I decided to change my life around, which is what a lot of people say. Right. And they leave out Jesus. Right. Even though maybe they even got maybe they went and got saved, or they, they had an encounter with Jesus, but, but they, they somehow or another, they just leave it out of the conversation.
0: Yeah, and the problem with that, think about the this, this story we're talking about here in the text. If this guy goes, and he goes, and he shows up at his parents' doorstep, and they're like, well, what happened to you? Oh man, I just you know I came to my senses. I got my life straightened back out. I'm at peace and stuff. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, Jesus shows up later, and they don't even know who he is yeah. because the guy never said he anything left about Jesus, Jesus out of the story. And that's the thing we do as Christians. That's why I
2: said it's the greatest story never told. Yeah, we always leave. Oh, But there's out. a book.
0: I actually, there's a there's a there's a there's an author <laughs> who wrote a book. Called that? I just yeah. saw. I just saw that on Twitter if, this if, morning. If Salvation, the greatest story if, never if, told.
2: If being saved is actually the greatest thing can ever happen to you, mm-hmm. then you have to say that. I love it. You know, I know we don't uh, need to put athletes and all on pedestals and everything like that, and and people that make, get awards and all, because a lot of people want to thank God. But but you know, that the genuine ones will say. You know, this is the second greatest thing that ever happened to me, or the third best thing. Right. You know, first of all, Jesus Christ is my Lord is that you know a lot of those people are really genuine and mm-hmm. they're really serious about that because if we really believe that, mm-hmm. I'm talking about just the everyday average person as well as pastors. If we really, 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 really believe that, that the greatest thing that can ever happen to someone is that they become a Christian, mm-hmm. then we need to be going out to the decapolis we live in especially the people closest to us and people connected with us. I mean, I'm not talking about going up and knocking on doors to strangers, right, strangers. Right, But taking right. advantage of those opportunities that come your way. To right. point people to that Jesus where they can start thinking about it and go, hmm, I need to check that out. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm,
0: I'm with you there. I'm absolutely with you. Like you uh, I think maybe three or four Sundays ago you preached a message on, 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 on Saul and you ended that message with the whole thing on story.
3: Yeah. On how to tell a story. Yeah, and it uh, was a, on, the, on your 15-second testimony. Mm-hmm. And especially in an age where people, you know, they kind of tune out, you know, five, ten minutes if you're talking with them. Um, you know, the 15-second the testimony is a great way to, you know, it's quick, concise, but it points towards Jesus. There's no way to, like, leave Jesus out of it. So, like, for example, I could say there was a time in my life when I was broken and bored of religion, Then Jesus saved me, I began to follow him, and now I'm mended, and now I have a lot of joy. Do you have a story like that? Mm hmm And with that, the turning point, the climax of that was Jesus. Right. My encounter with Jesus is what now has made me mended and... Have hope and have joy. You know what I'm saying,
0: right? and Of course, the yeah. the, 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 the important part there is that that's an that's just, that's an intro statement. Just, like that's not it can't be your whole story. No, it's about, not. It can't be your whole entire it's conversation not. with that person. No. Like okay, that's it. See you. You know, well, yeah. walk on. And, and actually, <laughs> actually, you don't want to lead
2: off with that. And that's why I was I brought up the whole thing about going to the doctor, and the doctor was saying, you know, how did you cope during this, Mr. McCarthy? And I'm thinking wonder why she's asking me this. And, I'm, and, I, and I know from all the articles I've read that they are, they're asking people that because of everything that's going on mm-hmm. uh, with mental health and everything during COVID. And so that, to me, the approach that normally a lot of people used to take and a lot of people would, would come off with, I'm the Christian, here's my story. Now, has anything like that ever happened to you? Well, I would rather hear their story first mm. before I even even mention my story. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's that needs to be our approach in the world we live in today because um, we need to listen to people first. Well, and, and, and hear where they're coming from, and then as opportunity comes our way, you know, move it, into our story
0: and yeah, how there, God worked through our life. There's a real emphasis on on in the secular world. There's a real emphasis on we need to start listening to people's stories, mm-hmm. right? And if we want people to listen to our story, then we certainly need to listen to other people's stories as well and maybe find that connecting point where our story and their story share some common ground yeah. because we all share in the human experience. And so, you know, we all struggle with the same struggles. We all just went through 2020 together. Yes, we, which the, is the cool thing about it that we all have a story that we got through this thing. Right, right. We all just went through this together. You know, there wasn't any any person who didn't, experience something during that lockdown. Um, and, and, and in some ways, we did it globally. Now yes. we have something globally yes. that we can actually common ground globally with everyone. And uh, it's it is a great opportunity we have. We don't want to pass that opportunity up. Um, so yeah, yeah. But what I do love about what you're talking about, Blake, is, again one of the reasons I wanted to go back to that is because it does make Jesus' central part, right? Yeah. And then what you want people to do is you want people, whatever you say to them, you want people to go, well, wait a second, what do you mean Jesus, right? How, what... What when does he say? He said you, you. What does what that mean? What does that mean? What does that even mean? And then you can go we, because we use a lot of like church. Yeah, we use a lot of church terms that we we just assume culture understands. Man, I'm guilty of that all the time as a pastor. I'll use something and just think that everybody knows what I mean when well, I say it. Aton- I say atonement, and I think everybody knows what I mean well, when I and say culture atonement. Our
2: taking our terms too, and they're making them mean something different. Now. Right.
0: Evangelical means something different than it yes. did, than it did even like three years. Right. Ago. Even the resurrection. Though. Right. Even the resurrection. <laughs> right. So 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 you know I'm guilty of that all the time. I'll use a term and I think that everybody understands what I'm saying. But what what you know if philosophy and apologetics has taught me anything, it's define your terms. Define what you mean. It's why it's important to say. Not just say tell your story. Well, okay, you're right. What what does it mean when we say story? What do we mean by that? What do we mean when we say you know tell? Okay, do you mean just I have to be face to face with someone? No, you can you know those sort of things. We want to be able to define those terms, and uh, and not use terms and just assume everybody knows what you're talking about. Like even the even something as simple as I got saved. Hmm. Like most people don't. I, I'd say saved from what? what saved mean, from, save what? from what? Rescued from what? Yeah. what? You know. Jesus From saved hell. Oh, I don't believe in hell. Right. Jesus saved me is really, you know, people don't understand it. Yeah. But when you say something like what you said a minute ago, Blake, I, you know, I was this and then, I, you know, I met Jesus. Uh, you know, I, 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 I turned to Jesus yeah. or Jesus, Jesus impacted my life. I was impacted by the story of the gospel, and now this is where I'm at. Yeah, know? and it
3: prompts—excuse <clears throat> me—it prompts people to ask questions too. Like, yeah, what do you mean by saved? when something I like to use with the kids is like Jesus, is like a rescuer. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of people might can understand rescued from sin, and then define, of course, define what sin is. But that might be a way where you could right. maybe make saved. The word saved a little bit more, uh, yeah, more known to people. But I
0: do think, I, I do think with you, Jeff, and I think one of the key, key things moving forward for all of us as Christians, um, I mean, you know, we were just talking before we got on, that, on there how, you know, is Christianity accepted in our culture? Is, is it being persecuted and those kinds of things? If we really want to make a difference, if we want to stand out, we need to start standing out as people of a story. People who have a good story and a hope, not people who are against this and against that. Not saying you have to be for certain things. I'm just saying that we need to be identified as the people of the story. Um, I, you know, I think that's the way people were in the early church. They were defined as people of the way. Mm-hmm. And 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 what you know, we need to be defined as people of the capital T H E story. So, all right. Well, um, we're out of time here. It's been a good discussion. I've enjoyed this, uh, fellas, and um, I, we will be right back here again next Monday. We hope you'll tune in as well, and uh, look forward to yet another discussion. So we're and, going. We're going to talk about a uh, obscure
2: passage, of, an obscure little phrase, falling away. Oh, oh, this coming Sunday That's the lobby. Oh,
0: oh, my goodness. All right. Well, good. Let me, let me <laughs> back that up. Next week will be That's a, a fascinating podcast. You want to be here for that one. So, uh, all right. Awesome. Have a great week, and we will see you then. All right. So long.